The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. There is no shortage of action going on with our partners at betonline.ag. The NBA is right around the corner, and right now, UFC, boxing, NASCAR, and international soccer have all resumed play. And BetOnline has the best odds and lines for their upcoming games and matches. Need more? BetOnline has simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC happening live every day. BetOnline also offers hundreds of live casino games, poker tournaments, and the best props in the business. Visit betonline.ag on your computer or mobile device and join now to receive your welcome bonus. Betonline.ag, your online wagering experts. You are listening to The Bird Calls on the Armchair All-American Network. For more on your Pelicans, go to iTunes, search The Bird Calls, and subscribe today. of the Bird Calls podcast. I'm your host and contributor to thebirdrights.com and Bleacher Report, Preston Ellis. Today we are shaking things up. We do have the Prince of the Protocol, Mr. Kevin Beaverbounce on Twitter, as you might know him. Kevin is selling paintings. Do you want to tell our listeners a bit about those in case they're interested? Sure. Uh, they're actually color pencil drawings. Uh, but they like Right now I have a series of birds that are completed already. Um, that are matted and framed. So if you're interested in those, you can get in touch with me. I sold two last night. I sold a, a pelican and a blue heron, but I have already drawn. I have a southern cassowary, um, a hornbill, and a king vulture. And then I'm going to start a new, start working on some more this week. I just got a commission to draw another uh, blue heron, but I, I'll do commissions or I'll just be posting stuff from here, there, uh, here and there. Um, so if you're interested in anything, please hit me up on Twitter because, uh, I haven't been able to go back to work in five months and I need money. <laughs> I'm just saying y'all desperate times. Uh, we also have uh first time or second time guest on the podcast, Mr. Elliot Clough, a uh, host of believe and the new Orleans Pelicans and also contributor to the birdrights.com. Elliot, have you been on the pod before? I can't remember. I'm sorry. I'm old. This is, <laughs> yeah, you're fine. This is my first time, Preston. I'm excited to be here. Sweet, because I know we had that sign up a few months ago, and I, I can't remember. I remember I had Travis on, I had Charlie on. Anyway, I'm monologuing. Let's talk about the most important game of the 2019-2020 season. Since Elliot is our first-time guest, we'll start with him. Uh, the Pelicans uh, are now a perfect 7-0 in exhibition games, although these don't technically classify as those. They're scrimmages, but still, in our practice games, they're now 7-0 and could potentially become the first team, I'm guessing, ever to go 8-0 in games that don't matter. So, Elliot, it was a bit unusual. A lot of bigs in the lineup. Guys held out like Jamal Murray, Will Barton, Gary Harris, uh, Michael Porter Jr. Uh, tell us what you have to take away from it. Right. I mean, 
the Pels are getting in the groove of the way they play and the way they can be successful in Orlando. It's getting up and down the floor and making three-point shots. Now, they didn't make a, a ton. They were 41% in this last game against the uh, Nuggets, but they, the main thing is that they were running up and down the floor. And big takeaway is Knopf played pretty well last night comparatively. You know, 31 minutes, um, or close to 32 minutes, 8 of 19 from the field, 21 points. So shot selection was a little bit better. So I, I think that's a big takeaway. Maybe he takes over for Frank Jackson's minutes, or at least – a little bit more of them here in Orlando. I think the big takeaway, biggest takeaway though, is that they're pretty good shape. We'll see how uh, Zion's fitness is coming off this little bit of hiatus, but I liked what I saw last night in terms of running the floor big time. Yeah, definitely appreciate I think it was the tale of two halves with Nikhail Alexander-Walker. He was very confident in the first half, and I thought he kind of, uh, you know, he turned the ball over a lot in the second half, but I think and and we'll, everybody wants to hear about Frank Jackson, so I'm going to talk about Frank Jackson for a moment. I think their skill sets are so different that even though Nikhil might be the more valuable player just due to his skill set, in terms of what the Pelicans need, they have so many creators in Zion, Brandon Ingram, Drew Holiday, Lonzo Ball. They don't really need that skill set from Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Frank Jackson, I think they just trust a bit more on the defensive side of the floor, so I feel like they feel more comfortable throwing him in there, but that's neither here nor there. Probably both these guys aren't going to be playing in the game that mattered uh kevin i'll i'll just throw the ball to you and let you uh take the floor uh, uh what takeaways did you have and then we'll get a bit more specific yeah i mean first off it's fun to watch basketball again that's the biggest takeaway um it's kind of a shame the first the the first two opponents we had because there's not a lot that you can take away from these games due to this the teams we we're playing in the situation those teams are in First game against the Nets, we're basically playing the backups to the backups to the backups of the Nets. So you can't really put much stock in that game. And then this game, you know, like you said, all those guys are missing and they're starting crazy lineup of, of uh, giant bigs um, that you're not going to face at any point uh, in the eight game stretch to run run into the playoffs. And, uh, you know, playing against a zone defense, which you don't see a whole lot um, in the NBA. So it's uh it's it's hard to take away a lot of things from this um i i will say um defensively it was nice to see us hold our own against that that size um you know because that's where we really struggle is defending protecting the rim and defending against bigs uh especially when Derek favors isn't available um so it was good to see us hold our own against such a big lineup offensively i don't really worry about this team offensively we know they can generate points so you want to see defense you want to see rebounding and I think we saw a better effort on that end uh in this Denver game so that was good um like you guys already said I thought not not had a pretty good game if you throw away the third quarter which is kind of like something you could say for the entirety of the Pelican season if you throw away the third quarter then it was a great game um so that was that was uh refreshing and to on your point about Nah and Frank Real, the reality is why play either of them when you can just give Etwan those minutes because Etwan is, you know, he, he looked really good in both games so far. I thought he did a great job defending bigs in this Denver game. And I think that's going to really allow him to get a lot more minutes uh, in these eight games and into the playoffs if, uh, if we get there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the player I've been most excited about is, has been Etwan so far in, in these first two scrimmages. But I'm hoping that we get a little bit more semblance of a, a realistic opponent in, in the next game coming up. 
Yeah, we definitely will get that with the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, Mike Budenholzer has been playing all of his players with the exception of Eric Bledsoe, who's still being quarantined, albeit uh, none of them are playing into the second half. So we'll really only get a realistic viewing in the first half. But Kevin mentioned defense. I wanted to circle back to that, Elliot, because uh, we we got a good glimpse of what we all knew, but what the, I guess, national NBA fans can tend to forget. And that's what a versatile defender uh, Drew Holiday is. He's not just exclusively a backcourt stopper. Uh, he can range from one to five. You know, probably most people know by now he, he matches up with Kevin Durant, Giannis Antetokounmpo, LeBron James. And last night we got to see him uh, pretty much school Nikola Jokic on the defensive end. I hope I can say that. Uh, do you think Do you think even though these games don't matter, what will this do for his all-defensive team campaign? Ooh, that's, that's a really good question. I mean, as far as his, for his all-defensive campaign, yeah, I mean, like you said, these games don't tend to matter. But, I mean... I, I knew Drew was a good defender, but I wasn't expecting him to absolutely basically shut down Nikola Jokic last night. I mean, 25 minutes, Nikola played a lot last night and only scored 11 points. Granted, he got 10 boards, but I mean, when you got that big of a of a, a lineup, you know, it, it's kind of easier to, to get boards against that smaller lineup that the Pelicans fielded. But I mean, it's just a testament to how versatile Drew is. You said one to five. And there are very few players in the NBA who can guard all five positions. And Drew being the the six three guard that he is, that's that's really, really impressive. And it's it's easy to just say, ah, this part doesn't count for the all defensive team. But I mean, if he shows out like that for these eight games and then continues that trend in the in the playoffs, should the Pelicans make it, it's just gonna be really difficult to say that he was not worthy of an all defensive team position. I mean, he just, I mean, just to reiterate again, shut down Nikola Jokic, who is so much taller than him, such a versatile player. Sure, we're only in scrimmages, but that's that's pretty damn impressive. Yeah, totally. No, uh, we, we all know what fans we are of Drew Holiday and that aspect of his game on this podcast. Um, before... You know what, I'll, I'll just go ahead and move on, Kevin. I know that these guys probably aren't going to log a lot of real-time minutes, but still, uh, the eighth overall pick in the 2019 draft, Jackson Hayes, uh, of course, he's always good for a highlight. Uh, he did put up six rebounds, albeit in 23 minutes, 13 points. Uh, typical effective from the field, 50% shooting. He did have that nice uh, mid-range shot, although he had an air ball to go along with it as well. Um, just just talk about his div- – to me, Kevin – it feels like we're still experiencing the exact same player that we did in summer league. I'm I'm not seeing development since that point. Do you do you feel any differently? Yeah, I, I feel the same as you. I think there's a little bit of a maturity issue with him and a, a bit of like um he feels himself too much. You know, he thinks he's better than he is. And I think he can be a very good player if he can just change his mindset and his attitude a little bit because you see him just get totally lost on defense and he and he works really hard. Like he, he's very active. He's, he's very energetic. He's constantly moving, but he's just not doing the smart thing. And he's not, and he's losing focus, uh, letting guys cut behind him for open, easy layups, stuff like this. And it also gets him into foul trouble because he has to react and, uh, you know, leads to hacks and, and bumps and not having his feet set and things like that. Um, so it is a little bit frustrating um, that he hasn't, seem to progress on the defensive end and even on the on the rebounding end he's still not really putting a body on people not boxing off very well just relying on that size and, and uh, his leaping ability 
Um, so he's a guy that definitely needs to have a little bit of a reality check in terms of where he is mentally in the game, because I think he's too satisfied with where he is. Um, and, and that can be a problem because he can either be a great player or he could be like a, a, you know, grub uses this a lot in comparison to him is uh JaVale McGee, a guy who has all the physical tools and he makes these highlight plays, but he also makes these super bonehead plays. Um, and he's not really a guy that you can count on to anchor your defense, which you really need from, from the center position, especially if it's not a guy that's stretching the floor for you. Um, so, yeah, I think th- that is a little bit troubling. Now, Elliot, I'm, I'm trying not to get too negative on this podcast because we did secure a 15-point victory, so plenty to be positive about. But just in terms of these young guys, I think their stock couldn't have been higher than it was last summer coming off summer league exhibition. Uh, Jackson Hayes showed out, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, even though he only played three quarters, Frank Jackson scored 30 points in that lone appearance. I think it was against the New York Knicks. Uh, Ken Rich Williams was managing the offense in summer league. Of course, we know what he can do as a rebounder and a defender, but uh, his shooting fell off a cliff. And now it looks as if he's even afraid to take those shots in terms of the progression or development of those four guys that we're hoping can emerge into rotation players, have you seen any like tangible improvement this season? I mean, I would like to think that Jackson Hayes has improved on the offensive end, just in terms of confidence, if anything, just because he, he seemed a little bit tentative early on in the season. Like he was afraid to make a mistake. And the, like you, like you both have said, there's been little to any growth on the defensive end. And he, Kevin kind of hit it is that he's really feeling himself too much. I mean, you watch one of these media availabilities where he's talking to the press and uh, I'd like to think that this 19 year old, he's 19, right? Yes. 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 Okay. 19 year old would say, look, I've got Derek favors on my team. I think I've got a lot to learn and, and I can sit down with him for a session and just, I mean, not just one session, but every day in practice, just be watching Derek favors like a hawk on the defensive end of the floor so I'd like to see that more from, from Jackson Hayes. Kenrich Williams, you know, I wrote that piece about his need to show out, I guess show out, but show his value in, in this eight-game stretch that we're about to see. And, I mean, I'd be shocked if he sees more than five minutes of game time in the entire eight games. He's done. Uh, I think we saw his capabilities early on in the season. Like, there's the reason his nickname was Kenny Hustle. And he's showing that in these eight or these uh, scrimmage games too, taking taking charges diving after loose balls he's just not fast enough to keep up with threes not big enough to keep up with fours I think with with Nah, we saw a better shot selection in that first half like I like we've said uh last night and there is clear potential for Nah to continue to develop and be uh, a backup point guard to Lonzo and be a, a piece that's constantly in the rotation I I tweeted jokingly last night, Kevin, just so you know, I know you and you and uh, David responded to it and said that uh, I should just go ahead and die since I want to die on the hill of signing Frank Jackson. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of over Frank too. I, 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 there are pieces to all of their games. I think Frank, I mean, they all have high ceilings except for Kenrich Williams. He has, he would be a role player, but I think, Obviously, Jackson Hayes and Nah, we've got plenty of time for those two, but I think it's definitely time to move on from, from Kenny Hustle and from Frank Jackson. 
I'll get in here just because they're such uh, they're young guys. Uh, uh, by the way, Jackson Hayes is 20. He just uh, celebrated his birthday about two months ago, May 23rd. Uh, I, I will still say these guys are super young, and we know that everybody in the NBA doesn't develop the, the same way that Luka Doncic did. Uh, it can take these guys a bit more time. Frank Jackson's still just 22. And I think right now his role has shifted. We we viewed him as this, this uh, up, up and down the floor gunner who could score potentially like 20 points a game just based on what we've seen in summer league, an athletic guy, a fast guy coming out of Duke. But now I think his role really needs to emerge as a defender, a, a backcourt stopper. And that's what we've seen Alvin Gentry really utilize him as. So if he can improve himself on that end of the floor, we can be a bit more patient uh, with him on the offensive side of the floor. But yeah, none of these none of these four guys really look like they're ready to contribute right now, which is super disappointing. But again, they're going to have another offseason and probably about a month or two from now. So they'll have more time to get their heads back in the book and and learn a bit more before we get on to the Bucks. I'll go over to Kevin, uh, a guy I wrote about. I interviewed uh, his assistant coach, Devin Blair, from the Rio Grande Valley Vipers. Uh, he played with the Los Angeles Clippers uh, for two years, was really impressive his first year. And what everybody knows him as is he's really long. He's really strong. Uh, he's a great and versatile defender. Um, I'm talking about Sindarius Thornwell. Uh, his main problem, uh, according to Devin Pl- uh, Blair, was, of course, his shooting. He's been an abysmal shooter. However, through two games, he's shot the ball pretty well. I'm, I'm pulling it up right now. Uh, he scored 12 points on just four shots. He was three of four from three-point range, and he got to the line four times. Uh, he had seven uh, assists, an underrated playmaker who's played some point guard uh, with the Rio Grande Valley Vipers. Uh, Kevin, I know these games don't matter, but I'm reaching. Were you impressed with Cinderius Thornwell? Yeah, I liked what I saw from him last night. But, you know, like I like I joked about on Twitter last night, he had his uh, Solomon Hill playoff series, yeah. you know, <laughs> last night. It, you know, I've seen Sundarius play. And, you know, back when the Clippers had him and um, Tyrone Wallace, and I'm trying to remember the other – they had another young point guard who was, who was a big guard as well. Um, I can't remember his name now. I'll but they were up. like these three guards at the end of the roster – now I had my eye on them because whatever one they cut, I wanted us to, to take. They had to cut one of them. We actually did take Tyrone Wallace, but we kept Kendrick Williams over him. Um, uh, but yeah, like so, I I, I always had like interest in Sandarius, and I think that defense uh, was something that we definitely needed back then. Um, now we have a little bit better perimeter defenders. I mean, we always have Drew Holiday, but now we have Lonzo Ball, we have Josh Hart can, can defend on the perimeter. But having another guy that you can throw in there to cool somebody off and lighten the load of uh, another guy that's one of your premier stoppers that needs to put more energy into being an offensive player is good. And if he can, you know, make that shot uh, more consistently, it doesn't have to be three for four. But, you know, if he if he's hitting three out of three out of eight or whatever, three, three out of even three out of nine, um, that's something that's uh, useful and can get him some minutes. And but I was really impressed with his passing uh, last night. He, he did some really uh, he had some really nice uh, passes to create shots for uh, for people. So it was good to see him like have an offensive side to go with his you know solid defensive play that he's known for. Yeah, the hey, only guy that actually. Oh, I was going to say, do you mind if I ask you a question quick, or do you want to respond to Kevin? Uh, let me just respond. The only two names I could find All were right. CJ Williams and Mios uh, Teodosic. I'm not sure if those are the two guys you were yeah. referring to, it but uh, go ahead, Elliot. I was just going to ask you, I've heard from a lot of people from the bird rights, people we've had on my podcast since 
the hiatus started, what they think of, of Kenrich Williams. What do you think? Do you think they should bring him back after this year? Do you think he has an opportunity to earn that spot? I do. I really like what he provides. I like the energy that he brings to the floor. I like his versatility uh, on the defensive end. He can play one through four. We talk a lot about what he can't do and that shoot and he won't shoot. And that's a major problem. But in terms of what he can do, uh, he knows where he fits in the offense. Uh, He always moves the ball to the right place. Uh, He's got a great head uh, on his shoulders in that regard. He moves off the ball very well. Uh, And on the defensive end, I I think he's a really terrific player. I think he's extremely versatile. Uh, He's an elite uh, level rebounder. Uh, He's got great length. It's it's just his shooting. He's a zero on the offensive end of the floor uh, in in that regard. In that guys can can lag off of him, they can help defend. But he is going to keep moving. He is going to move the ball the right way. Uh, the coaches do trust him. Uh, he knows how to play. He's just gotta he's just gotta start taking shots. He's gotta start taking them. He's gonna miss them, but he's just gotta keep taking them because right now he's playing as if he's scared. And if that's the case, he's gonna turn into another Darius Miller, and it's not gonna last very long. But he's still. I think he's twenty two. I'll, I'll look it up right now. But He's not going to cost you much. You're going to be able to pull him back on a veteran minimum contract. The Pelicans really don't have uh, a lot of money to go out and get anybody. They'll have the mid-level exception available to them, uh, perhaps the biannual exception if they want to use that. I know what Grubb would say if he was here. They've got three second-round picks. They've got a first-round pick. Uh, They've got Zylan Cheatham, who he's pretty high on, although I don't think he's impressed lately, but he's got a strong body and he can give you a bit more minutes at the four and the five, which is kind of a bit more of what the Pelicans need right now, uh, perhaps. But I just think it's so hard to find a quality wing and especially a young one that why not just take a little bit more time, see if he can develop uh, his shot. But right now, He's just not taking shots, and that's a major problem. If, if he's going to be too gun-shy, then he's just not going to develop into a consistent NBA player. He needs to get some work in with Fred Vincent. Yeah, I mean, that's who he's working with, so it's it's just difficult to assess why he won't take that shot. Uh, and Darius Miller had the same problem. Some of these guys are just they're just shy, and they just got to start letting it fly. And, you know, if you miss them, you miss them, but you got to start getting those shots up, uh, or he's not going to last very long in this league, I'm afraid. But he does so many other things very well uh, that you'd like to hope, you'd like to pray that he can put that aspect of his game together. But like Joe said in our group, saying that he can, you know, develop into an above-average three-point shooter, that's essentially saying, like, Oh, well, if only he was good, he'd be good, but he's not very good right now. Uh, Kevin, do you, do you have any hope for bringing back Ken Rich Williams? I mean, I don't like, I wouldn't hate it if they brought him back. I wouldn't say it was a bad move because if they bring him back, it's going to be on like a minimal contract. He's going to be at the end of the bench. I just, when I look at him and if everybody's healthy, I'm like, why would you play him? Because you could play Josh Hart, who's better at everything that Kendrick does, except for maybe playmaking. Um, you could play Etwan Moore, who's who's better, who, you know, who's not going to have an extra defender playing center field out there clogging up your offense. Um, you Kevin, know. Let me let, let me interrupt you for a moment, uh, just because he is, uh, in my opinion, such a good uh, rebounder and versatile defender. What if the Pelicans tried Kenrich as a small ball five and tried experimenting with giving him some of Melly's minutes? Uh, I mean, it's, I, I just, I just see him get worked by bigger guys a lot, you know? So I don't know if that's something that's really going to help him. I mean, get him closer to the basket might help him be more confident offensively and he can play make from there. Clearly he's a, he's a very good passer. He rebounds well, but he rebounds well as a wing. I don't know if he's going to be able to rebound well when he's the guy that's posting up underneath the basket. 
um, with another bigger man on him. And I, I've just seen him get worked by bigger guys a lot. Um, so I don't know if that will work for him. Like, you know, I think he's like the not as good version of Kyle Anderson. Like I, if I had Kyle Anderson and I could play him at the five or the four, I'd be a lot more satisfied than being able to play Kendrick Williams. Now I know Kyle Anderson has a much bigger contract right now. Um, but just, I think they're a little bit of a similar player where there's, they're kind of a tweener, um, but they're both really good playmakers. They struggle from shooting from the outside, but they have uh, decent size and they're not super athletic, but they're, they can find ways to contribute to winning and to make uh, impactful plays. Uh, but I just don't think that Kenrick as is good enough. Whereas like if I had Kyle Anderson, I would trust it where I don't, I don't trust Kenrick Williams uh, to really provide me what I need. Well, I was really off. Kenrich Williams is 25 years old. He'll be 26 on December 2nd. So that, that really alters the case for yeah, him. And that's the thing is like, I'm looking at him and Frank Jackson and, and, you know, everybody talks about the, the guy, young know, Frank Jackson has played a lot of games for the Pelicans and he still hasn't really developed. Now, in fairness to him, when he first came to the team, they're trying to make him a point guard, which is clearly not a position that he can play. It's just, that's what his size, it, you know, his size is more point guard size. So they tried to do that, but he's not a great playmaker and he can't create for himself. Um, he's, he's a spot up shooter and a cutter. That's where he's effective offensively because he can't use a dribble move to beat anybody to get to use his athleticism to get to the basket. He has to catch the ball while making a move to the basket um, to, to be effective. I mean, we saw him beat Plumlee off the perimeter yesterday, but that's beating Plumlee. How many times is he going to be guarded by a center out on the perimeter? Um, so without him, he still hasn't developed a handle in all these years in all these games that he's played. So I just feel like those two guys are guys that I would let wash out um, they may develop into decent contributors, but at at best, I think they're 10th men, 11th men in a rotation on a team. And I think it's worth letting them go to bring in some new guys with some potential to see if, if the, you can develop them into something better. Um, so I'm not really interested in hanging on to those guys. But like you said, if they come in at a, at a small contract, I don't care if they're like, you know, 12th, 13th man on on the rotation. That's fine. Uh, they're not terrible players, but I just don't think they're impact players. So I wouldn't invest a whole lot into them. Oh, God. Those are the screams I used to make when I'd cut myself shaving. You know where. But that was before Manscaped. Thanks, Manscaped, for turning my loud shrieks into multiple peaks. Look, who here doesn't get nervous about grooming their man parts? And that's why Manscaped created the Lawnmower 3.0, beautifully designed to reduce those painful nicks and tugs. The Manscaped engineering team obsesses over technology developments to provide you with the best tools for your family jewels. So many people have written in stories about how the Lawnmower 3.0 has changed their lives. They even included pics so I could see the smoothness for myself. And they aren't kidding. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. There is no shortage of action going on with our partners at BetOnline.ag. The NBA is right around the corner, and right now, UFC, boxing, NASCAR, and international soccer have all resumed play. And BetOnline has the best odds and lines for their upcoming games and matches. Need more? BetOnline has simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC happening live every day. BetOnline also offers hundreds of live casino games, poker tournaments, and the best props in the business. 
Visit betonline.ag on your computer or mobile device and join now to receive your welcome bonus. BetOnline.ag, your online wagering experts. Well, after 31-point victory over the Brooklyn Nets and a 15-point victory over the Denver Nuggets, I feel like we've spent most of this podcast just complaining. So let's <laughs> let's be a bit more positive. Uh, we're taking the undefeated Milwaukee Bucks on Monday. I think it's around 8 p.m. Eastern time, Elliot. And this one's going to be fun because we know that their stars are going to be there with the exception of Eric Bledsoe, as I mentioned. But Chris Middleton has really emerged as like a top 15 player this year. Uh, I, I know people probably don't don't want to rank him that high, but go ahead, take a look at some of the numbers and you'll see for yourself. Giannis Antetokounmpo is probably going to win both MVP and uh, defensive player of the year. I don't know who the last player to do that was other than Michael Jordan, but I'm sure it hasn't been often. I'm sure like somebody like Hakeem Olajuwon or David Robinson may have done so as well but but Elliot this one's going to be fun uh it's it's going to be difficult for the Pelicans to score uh the the Bucks are one of the longest and scariest defensive teams what are you looking forward to I am looking forward to if anybody can step up and play some defense on Giannis and and do anything to maybe irritate him a little bit I mean it was Drew last time and we got to see in uh, that last matchup with the with the Bucks, Zion got to rip the ball away from Giannis, which was super fun. But I, you know, I, I think this is just another game. I'm not expecting. I mean, unless the the summer league Pelicans show up again in the second half of this scrimmage uh, uh, tomorrow, I'm I don't have really that high of expectations. I think it's just kind of the same thing as it was against Nuggets, where. We see some flashes and be like, oh, that was good, you know, and like I want to see the Pels run the floor again. I'm not necessarily – I'd like to see Nah make some better decisions like he, like we've talked about in the second half, uh, like we talked about in the third quarter. I don't know that there's necessarily going to be any really big takeaways in this one, if I'm going to be honest. How dare you? Kevin, this is a really important game. This is a pivotal game for the New Orleans Pelicans. They have the chance to go 8-0 in games that don't matter in 2019-2020. This game could not be more critical uh, to their postseason aspirations. Tell us about why we should be excited. Well, I'm interested to see if they put Derek Favors on on Giannis. I think that's probably the best case scenario and have have Melly Hyde on Brooke Lopez. and see how that works out. And then I want to see, I want to see Lonzo attack. I want to see him drive to the basket and create offense that way. Um, you know, I, I think I, I really love Lonzo and I, the only weakness in his game really, it, since he's like developed a great catch and shoot jumper is, is that he has, a, he doesn't always have an intact mentality. And I think mentality is probably the hardest thing to change, especially you know, once you're an adult, because, you know, you've been living your whole life with this mindset uh, of what it is. And it's hard to change who you are at your core um, at some point. And I think he's always been more of a facilitator, but I think we need him to be more of of an attacker, even if it is just a pass out of the initial action of um, collapsing the defense down as he drives to the basket. Um, So I want to see that more want to see that create more open opportunities, especially against a long team. If you can collapse that length, draw them out, then kick it out to the perimeter. Um, I think that would be something that would be um, encouraging to see. And and I definitely want to see uh, favors go against Giannis, see how he can hold his own. And I think that's the way they, they got to go because, you know, Ingram can't defend them. Melly can't defend them. You can stick Drew on him for a while, but Drew's not as great as Drew is. I mean, that's, that's, 
that's a matchup he's not going to win most of the time. You know, he's going to surprise big guys a lot, but Giannis is just so athletic and so long that he's going to struggle with him. And I'd rather see Drew spend more time on Garden. Uh, some of their perimeter players maybe get on Middleton some sometimes. Uh, let's try to slow him down too. Um, but it should be a fun game. I mean, two, two good teams, um, a lot of ball movement, a lot of good offensive, uh, fun offensive structures for those two teams. And both teams are, you know, we know the Bucks are great defensively. The Pelicans are slowly getting there, especially with favors in the lineup. So it'd be nice to see how that defense holds up against uh, the Bucks' shot creation. I'd like to see Josh Hart on Giannis, see what he can do there, at least on the perimeter. Because I, I mean – Derek Favors guarding Giannis on the perimeter, he's going to get beat to the basket every time. Yeah. But it's one of those things you got to kind of like sag off of him and, and try to give him the, the perimeter shot, I think. But, you know. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to some Marvin Williams, Ursan, Ilyasova uh, pick and rolls. Just some smart, heady, veteran, uh, you know, role players just coming off the bench who just know how to play basketball, know how to be in the right spots. Um, and know how to fill out their assignments. Um, I just, I just think it's something that we have, we have so many like blue chip caliber youth on the Pelicans roster that we're so excited about and we hope that they'll develop, but it's nice just going to, to see those veterans just come in and know how to play basketball, essentially. Yeah, uh, Elliot, the Bucks have a lot of players that, that, you know, you should like, you know, like Marvin Williams is a guy I like a lot. Uh, I would, I would really like for us to try to make a move to get him next season if possible, because he would solve that stretch four tweener five um, player that we need. Um, and then, you know, I love, I've always loved Middleton. So, you know, and then George Hill's another solid veteran. They have, and um, Wes Matthews, they have so many nice veterans on that team. It's a, it's a fun team to watch. I'm a yeah. huge Ersan Silva guy. I love that dude. Like he is just an excellent guy who, I mean, he's a good guy off the bench, a veteran presence, a guy who can shoot. Not great defensively, you know, but I, I I love what he does off the bench. Good stuff, you guys. We'll get you out on this, Elliot. Uh, Zion Williamson is back. He is on the NBA campus. He only needs to quarantine for four days. Uh, so I, I'm not going to try to do math, but I think that puts us somewhere around Thursday. And I know their opener is uh, July 30th, so that might be Friday. Anyway, he should be eligible to play. However, we don't know what kind of condition he, he's in. We don't know if he was practicing or, or you know, running wind sprints uh, whenever he went home. And, and we don't know what he's going to be able to do in his hotel room. Are you nervous about the lack of conditioning that could have taken place over the course of two weeks? I am a little bit. But at the same time, I trust the Pelican staff to be cognizant of, uh, like, looking at a minutes restriction. Like, I mean, the, the Pelicans were really, really careful with him in those 19 games that or at least the first few games where he came back in terms of getting him off the floor. I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they stick him to, to 20 to 25 minutes um, in this one and not try to get his minutes too crazy. Um Obviously, it has to be a concern because, I mean, we, we know the injury history. We know he's that big body, so explosive, um, and he was in such good shape uh, coming off that the hiatus. I mean, we saw the videos. I haven't seen Zion move that smooth since he was at Duke or maybe even high school. Um, so I am a little concerned just because if he was, you know, sitting on the couch wherever he was with his family – um, and whatever was going on, just observing being with his family, which 
we can't condemn that at all. That's great. His family comes first, especially right now. But I think it has to be a bit of a concern, especially with his with his injury history, like I said. Kevin, so uh, going to have a little bit of fun with this one. Uh, in terms of if you were Aaron Nelson and you knew that Zion couldn't leave his hotel room for four days, but you knew you had to keep him in shape, what sort of things would you stick in his hotel room? Uh, <laughs> I have no idea. You're at, like, the last time, all I do for exercise is ride a bike, so I don't even know what uh, things it would be. So you're asking definitely the wrong person. I just part. picture like a hotel room filled to the brim with like TRX bands, battle ropes, uh, maybe <laughs> like some kind of treadmill. Uh, there's like those Bosu balls that you like balance on. You turn them upside down and and all sorts of stuff. I just see him like walking into the room and just a room filled with with exercise equipment. Elliot, do you want to dive in on this one? Yeah, I mean, I, I would venture to guess it'd be something like that. I might not say a treadmill just to keep him off his feet. Um, probably do like an exercise bike, like, like Kevin said, you know, calisthenics, pushups, squats, all that stuff, maybe a pull-up bar in there. I don't know if, if Zion can do pull-ups, that's a pretty big body, but, uh, yeah, I, I would probably say a lot of the same stuff you said, Preston, you know, they're, they're doing anything they can to, to keep him at least in moderate shape. I mean, I'm going to say, I'm not really worried about his shape. I mean, look how incredible he looked before he left and then look how sort of, I mean, he wasn't. He wasn't uh, fat, but he was he was thick and and kind of doughy when he played for us uh, this season earlier, and he was so dominant. Like, so I'm not really worried. He's gonna. I feel like he's gonna be somewhere in between that Bane photo and his first game against San Antonio, and that's gonna be fine. I'm not too concerned about his fitness right now. I mean, unless he was like just eating donuts, but I don't think he was. You know, I think he's dedicated to what he's doing and i i think you know he was definitely in contact with the team throughout his his exit so i i wouldn't be too concerned about his fitness level and we know he was staying in shape thanks to partially thanks to his stepdad and, and clearly his stepdad knows what he's doing zion's been in professional settings knows how to stay fit obviously it was a duke all that stuff so i like i said i think there has to be some level at least of minor concern but at the same time Zion's a smart kid and he's very obviously competitive. He's, he knows, he knows what to do. He knew what to do to stay in shape over that time that he was gone. All right, you guys, I think we're right around the 40 minute mark. So I want to thank you for your time. Again, you guys can follow Elliot Clough at Elliot Clough. Uh, I hope I pronounced that right. Also host of believe in the Pelicans podcast contributor to the birdrights.com. Elliot, is there anything else you want our listeners to know about anything you got coming up? For sure. So Believe in the Pelicans, B-L-E-A-V, podcast networks, you know, they're strange, just to make sure y'all know. Um, we're working on trying to get a guest from probably somewhere in the Utah spectrum of, of media, whether locked on Pelican or locked on Jazz or, or someone from the Believe Network, too. We're working on getting somebody for a preview for that game. Still working on AD. I know you've had him on this podcast a few times, Preston. And uh, might see what you can do there. But I definitely want to try to get Antonio Daniels on here soon. And then, of course, you know, we'll probably have somebody else from the Bird Rights coming back soon enough as well. So, ton of, I mean, that podcast is just a blast. We, I've been having so much fun over there. And uh, we really appreciate all Pelicans fans that have been checking it out. So Sweet. And Kevin B for Balance is where you can find Kevin Berrios on the Twitters. 
Uh, Kevin, tell us a bit about uh, what you've got coming up. I remember you were writing something with Chris. I'm not sure if it ever went live. And also the the paintings, just circle back on that real quick. Yeah, uh, Chris and I are working on a long-term project. It's already changed like five times the what it's going to be. <laughs> Uh, but that's kind of how he and I work, but we don't, we don't plan on putting it out till after the season's over anyway. So, um, that'll be something very Chris and Kevin, like coming your way. Um, at that point, um, we're both having a little trouble with motivation, but also we were just kind of like shaping it as we went along, but now I think we're locked into what we really want to do. So it should start flowing soon. And then again, you know, I do illustrations, uh, I work for commissions or have stuff done already that you could buy. So if you go to my Twitter account, you can find some stuff there. Or if you don't see it, just hit me up and I'll, I'll show you some pics. And then uh, if you're interested, uh, be great because I need to feed my dogs. Yeah. <laughs> A uh, little bit of celebratory news. This podcast just passed 100,000 downloads uh, since we started with the our partnered with the Armchair All-American Network. I want to say that was like August or September or something, but big thanks to everybody who just listens. Really appreciate it. If you want some personal news about me, uh, I got tested about two weeks ago and I got my results after three days. After 11 days, my wife finally got her results back and she was also negative. Also, uh, my union is continuing its lockout with uh, Walt Disney World. They are now in the grievance phase. So thoughts and prayers uh, are welcome. Hopefully I'll have a job to go back to in a few weeks. But other than that, I've got the game preview uh, for the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, that one's been submitted. Ollie's going to be working on that. So be sure to check that out. And yeah, just thank you guys for listening. Uh, if you have an extra second, make sure that you share and rate our podcast and do for Elliot as well. For now, let's dance and let's go Pels. for listening to the bird calls on the armchair all-american network if you like what you're hearing please take a moment to rate us on itunes retweet share with your friends and most importantly subscribe today black lives matter and we're continuing to do our part here at the bird calls that's why we've created the armchair all-american scholarship thanks to contributions from armchair myself music is my refuge r anders 36 andrew juge ralph malbro and many more armchair media will be issuing four $500 scholarships per semester to aspiring black creatives. The criteria is African-American, under 21, and in a creative field. To apply, send something you've created, whether photography, art, music, anything, to scholarship at armchairallamericans.com. We can't wait to see your application.